You only hear those kind of things at your funeral, right? Okay, good morning. There we go. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Special thanks to our guests who are here this morning. And I thank President Rich and Dr. Brown for giving me this opportunity. I hope my wife and daughter are also with me today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We pause, and Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, as we begin this academic year, Lord, I ask that you be not only with our students, but with our faculty, our staff, and our community. Amen. Now, growing up as a child of the 70s and 80s was simply magical. <laughs> You're doubting me. But to quote the character J.J. Evans from Good Times, it was dynamite. <laughs> we had the best sports, we had the best music, and of course we had the best fashion. In the first grade, I had the privilege to escort a young lady from my class in our school spring festival. I didn't own a suit, so my grandparents bought me a suit. Specifically, a green polyester suit with a yellow dress shirt. The collar on the shirt was so wide and pointed, it looked like I was wearing ninja throwing stars. <laughs> a wide white tie, a wide white belt, and finally some white platform shoes just to make the outfit pop. But my description is clear, in the late 70s, we had fashion on lockdown. This would evolve into the 80s and the parachute pants, Reeboks, mullets, members-only jackets, and ladies, the creation of the side ponytail. <laughs> but besides fashion, 70s and 80s provided legendary TV. And one of my favorites began this way each week. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military crime for a court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. There you go. The A-Team consisted of Colonel Hannibal Smith, Lieutenant Templeton Peck, Captain Howling Mad Dog Murdoch, and Bad Attitude B.A. Baracus, portrayed by that lovable Mr. T. Each week they would fight against injustice. They stuck up for the weak. They stuck up for the poor. They made these elaborate plans that even MacGyver would be jealous of and defeat evil. And near the end of the show, the character Hannibal would say, I love it when a plan comes together. As the episode ended, justice was restored, and the A-team had saved the day. In fact, the good guys won. I think we're all a lot like Hannibal. We're all a lot like this character because we like our plans to come together. 
But what happens when our plans are not that smooth? What happens when things begin to totally fall apart like a Nature Valley granola bar? (laughs) When your direction totally changes. A couple of years ago, I had a significant birthday. No, it wasn't 40. No, it wasn't 50. Shame on you. I turned 43. That's not a significant birthday to you. Why is it significant to me? 43 was my JV basketball number. Y'all are kind of hurting my feelings. But at 43, I had a plan. My daughter was an only child. She was a sophomore in high school. In a few years, my wife and I would be empty nesters. So my plan was simple. I was going to have a, wait for it, a man cave. There was going to be flat screen TVs, sports memorabilia, specifically a poster that I had as a child of Bill Walton from his days as a Boston Celtic. And one rule. Only smoked meats could be consumed in my man cave. (laughs) But the Lord had another plan for me, my wife, and my daughter. Out of the blue, my wife and I were contacted about adopting a baby in the Denver area. Several years earlier, we had talked with several folks about the adoption process, but nothing ever materialized. We assumed that season of our life was over. We were content. We were living life. After being contacted on a Saturday, speaking with the birth parents on a Sunday, who assured us the baby would be born around Christmas, and, you know, that would give us about a month, Our son was born that Thursday, and thus began my family's journey through neonatal ICUs, lawyers, bankers, social workers, and court systems, judges, and adoption agencies. With the prayer and support of our church, friends, and family, and of course, Sterling College, a little less than a month later, and the day before my wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary, we brought our son Sullivan home. Traditionally, the gift of 20 years of marriage is China. I got my my wife a a baby. (laughs) By the way, my daughter saw more than a little brother. She saw someone to inherit mom and dad's graduate student loans with her. (laughs) Had we planned for this? No way. Trust me, a lot had changed in the baby arena since my daughter was a baby. We didn't even have a crib, which was prophecy. Because as a little girl, as a toddler, my daughter would proclaim to all that would listen that she was going to have a little brother and she was going to name him Baby Jesus. (laughs) But thanks to the gracious nature of Dr. Jonathan Conard, he loaned us a crib and baby Sully had a place to lay his sweet head. The generosity of our friends continues as recently athletic training professor Aaron Laudermilk, who has a son close in age to my son, volunteered to drive me to my son's activities in high school since I'll be too old to drive at night by then. 
the Lord provides. I stand here this morning telling you that God has a plan for you. And I know that sounds simplistic. Many of you have heard it at home. You've heard it at Sunday school. You've heard it from your youth pastor. Grandma told it to you as you came to college. God has a plan for you. And remember who you are. But so many times in my life, I thought I had the perfect plan to finally realize that God had the perfect plan for me. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Me being here today was not part of my plan. I was not, statistically, I was not supposed to attend college, much less graduate. I definitely wasn't supposed to work at a college. Growing up in poverty, my father was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He was a man who battled addiction and fought his own demons. But trust me, when your father's the town drunk, it's not as amusing as Otis from the Andy Griffith Show. Or when your dad is intoxicated at your basketball games, it's real life, it's not the movie Hoosiers. My life was full of extremes. I grew up in a home where my mother was a teacher with a master's degree and my dad couldn't read or write. They eventually divorced when I was in junior high because, hey, every junior high kid needs a little more stress in their life, right? But honestly, it was for the best. There was an expectation for me to go to college but, of course, money was a major issue. Financially, my mother couldn't pay for me to go to college, and like many of you, FAFSA said I didn't qualify. The FAFSA didn't take into account the amount of debt my father left for my mother, but thanks to scholarships, other forms of financial aid, I was able to attend and graduate from college. Why? Because God had a plan for me. Following God's plan doesn't mean that it will be sunshine and unicorns. There'll be roadblocks and potholes in your path. After five years of teaching high school, I moved my wife and newborn daughter five hours away from where we were living in my hometown to complete my Master's of Divinity. I had a graduate assistantship that paid for my tuition, and I had a part-time job as a researcher for a startup.com business. To say money was tight was an understatement. After completing my finals in December of my first semester, the small company folded, leaving me unemployed. I went home and told my wife the news, and we just laughed. Because you can't make this stuff up. Even with the major setback, we still felt that we were where the Lord wanted us to be. And then... Like a scene out of a bad Hallmark holiday movie, something pretty cool happened. Earlier in the summer, we had entered a drawing at a local McDonald's. A few days before Christmas, we arrived home to find a large box on the front steps of our home we were renting from the college. Getting out of the car, we assumed it was Christmas presents from the grandparents for our daughter. But to our surprise, it was from Fisher Price. We had won the drawing at the McDonald's, and our house, our house had become Little People Central. <laughs> at times, planning and decision-making is extremely easy. We say, hey, that's no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. I can do that. Not a problem. 
Saturday, the new students got to hear about the infamous toy box fire of 1975 when I was four. I would like to say that I learned my lesson from that incident and I stayed out of trouble, but I didn't. Later that year, when I was four, I had my tonsils removed. So I got to go into the hospital and I got to eat ice cream. And some of you, it was that special ice cream where it comes in a little tub and you have the wooden spoon. You guys remember that? Some, you guys remember that? Thank you. <laughs> but I also received presents. One relative gave me a little kid drum set. Apparently, this relative really hated my parents. Man, I love those drums. Till one day I lost a drumstick. So I had to find a replacement. My search led me to the kitchen. And in there I found the perfect replacement. A butcher knife. The concert could continue. And it did. Until my replacement drumstick, a.k.a. the butcher knife, slipped and sliced open my thumb. My music career was over. <laughs> but I did get a pretty cool scar and a spanking. I also got a spanking. <laughs> I wish everything was as easy as understanding that you shouldn't play drums with a butcher knife. But life is complex. And it's complicated. And that's why we should be clinging to God's will and not man's will. Following God's plan might be easy, but it is pleasing. Through God's plan, I was able to forgive my father and truly have rec reconciliation. Because of God's plan, my father was able to put down the bottle and embrace his family. So many things in life are not planned. I didn't plan on being a father again at 43. I didn't plan on living in Kansas. I didn't plan on my father-in-law going into a nursing home this week. I didn't plan on having such a wonderful wife and children. So what is your plan? What is your calling? Have you chosen that major or that vocation because that is God's plan for you? Or have you chosen that field because others... Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa thought that was the right fit, fit for you. Are you making decisions based on pleasing others or pleasing God? So I don't have a man cave. So at 45, I know all the words to the Mickey Mouse Club's hot dog song. <laughs> I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Thank you for your time and attention this morning. I wish you only the best as you proceed through this academic year. Thank you, Dr. Wagley. At this time, I'd like to invite our new faculty to come forward and stand on both sides of the podium.
Please step forward when I call your name and remain standing forward. Dr. Karen Baylor, Associate Professor of Education. Dr. Glenn Butner, Associate Assistant Professor of Theology and Ministry. Mr. Ryan Corwin, Assistant Professor of Communications and Digital Media. <laughs> Don Elisario, Assistant Professor of Education. Dr. Tim Gabrielson, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies. Emily Grace, Assistant Professor of Physics. Dr. Rachel Griffiths, Assistant Professor of Language and Literature. Amy Kosick, Assistant Professor of Mathematics. Please join me in a prayer as we welcome these new faculty. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to begin this new school.